All right, and we're live. What is going on, everybody? My name is Andrew Sanchez, and welcome back for another week of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, October 3rd, 2022, winding down week four, wrapping it up with a Monday night football showdown tonight between the Rams and the 49ers. For those of you who are new, welcome. This is a show where we review how to use SaberSim, SaberSim's tools, talk DFS theory, answer questions from the community that come in via Discord and via YouTube chat. So if you're new here, welcome. Happy to have you. Looking forward to answering any and all questions today. But before we get started, we have to talk about SaberSim's weekly max challenge. So if you're not familiar with the weekly max challenge, I'm going to bring it on the screen now and introducing the max challenge. We're doing this giveaway for the second year in a row. And we actually had a winner this week. So the max challenge is centered around the mini max contest on DraftKings. You can enter it for 50 cents an entry up to 150 times. So the rules of the mini max can be found down here under eligibility requirements. You have to use the SaberSim logo on DraftKings, and here are instructions of how to upload that. Uh, register, max out the Minimax, and you are going to be eligible for all of these prizes here. So the winner of the contest was a SaberSim user, 12-pack abs. Congratulations on taking it down and representing the community Awesome, awesome victory. And as a side note, you know, we went in and uh, looked and Sabersim users accounted for 50 out of the top 100 entries in the Minimax this week. An awesome, awesome feat. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people had good days. I'm sure the uh, projections were, were very good. So shout out to the modeling team and all they were able to do. But uh Happy to see people having success. And so 12-pack abs will be receiving, if we go down here to prizes, the top finisher will get one free month of SaberSim, a SaberSim t-shirt, and an entry into the end of the season free roll. On top of his prizes for taking it down, which include... Hold on one second. Where is it? I know. I know it's the belt. I know. I know you're gonna get the custom belt, but I just I want to find it really quickly. Uh, we're gonna do the giveaway for the free tickets for next week's contest. Ah, here it is. Bonus for winning the mini max: one free year of Saber Sim Advanced on top of the one month, and a custom championship belt, and a dedicated max challenge spot in the winner circle. I don't know what that's gonna look like. But uh, it's something new we added this year, so stay tuned, and we will figure it out. So for those of you unfamiliar with the SaberSim Winner's Circle, if you hover over to our uh, our main page, one second here, SaberSim.com, and up here, the Winner Circle, uh, this is where... We uh, shout out people in the community who have won, and you can scroll through here. So it sounds like we're going to have some type of dedicated page for the Max Challenge giveaway. I don't know what that's going to look like, but stay tuned, and uh, we are going to get it up there. So 
for for those of you not named 12 pack abs uh this is the sheet where uh that we share in discord that shows everybody who maxed for the week and um you know you can you can take a look in discord it's uh tagged in the office hours thread make sure that your name's on it but throwing that in here looks like we had 131 maxers this week gonna hit the shuffle a couple times here to make sure that uh we we mix it up and we will send it off here we go so this week's winner for the free tickets to next week's Mini Max is indeed Stoffel. Congratulations. Someone from the team will reach out to you via email to make sure that you get your free tickets. And if you're not tuned in, we'll make sure you find out. <laughs> so, guys, awesome, awesome week for SaberSim on the main slate. Just a lot of winning screenshots all over the place. Uh, if you do rep the SaberSim avatar, and you finished in the top five of a contest, you know, you can you can go over to the winner's circle, check out the rules at the top, and if uh, you did indeed meet the requirements, post a picture on Twitter and tag us, and we will get you your SaberSim gear. So the SaberSim gear uh, is always listed underneath the tier, and so I, I've, I've seen them coming in all day, so looking forward to getting everyone's gear out. It's an awesome, awesome week for Main Slate. So looking forward to many more positive Main Slate weeks. But that being said, let's get into office hours. A lot of questions following the weekend. So we're going to get to them all. We're going to start with Discord first, and then we will be moving over to YouTube chat. So... Uh, let me just hover over to the first question today that came in on Saturday, it looks like. And the question came in from Slomo. So I'm going to throw the, my uh, Saber Sim back on the screen right now, and then we are going to get going. So should see Saber Sim back up. And the first question from Slomo3210 coming in here. All right. Question reads, how does changing a projection affect the rest of the build? For example, if I add three fantasy points to someone, does that mean the builder will only use simulations that had that amount as the outcome? Does this come into play with the sim precision slider? So Slomo, good question. I'm going to show you exactly how that works right now. Um, you know what? I am having an issue here. Hold on one second, guys. Let me get my screen. My projections weren't popping up for some reason. Don't know why. So I'm going to see if I can fix that. That way I could give you some examples. But basically, you know, to answer the question, what happens is when you adjust someone's projection by, let's say, uh, this is the Monday, Thursday slate. We'll just use this as an example. Jonathan Taylor, if we were to increase Jonathan Taylor's projection from 22 to, let's say, 25, if you go over here and click on Jonathan Taylor's name, you'll see his distribution here, which is his range of outcomes in the Sims. So what happens is for every Sim where he scores 30, 
that's now 33. For every sim where he scores 20, that's now 23. So we add the difference of whatever adjustment you make to the projections that we pull from the sims. And so basically shifting his whole range of outcome outcomes over by the three points in, in your example. So that's how that works. And uh, it, I uh, let me know if you have any more questions. But it shouldn't affect the sim precision slider at all. So it's just every outcome moves moves uh, up three points. So next question coming in from Satch. And uh, the question is, is asking about late swap, which I think it's a great time to start talking about late swap, especially with NBA coming around. So it looks like NBA season starts in about two weeks from tomorrow. I know NHL starts on Friday with the showdown. So looking forward to having some more sports to play. But question is, does late swap act more like an optimizer that goes off of projections? Put another way, why is there a choice of cash, multiplier, GBP, etc. when doing late swap? Appreciate you guys answering all these nagging questions. So, Sag, no nagging questions. All questions are good questions. Happy to touch on them all. Um, you know, I don't have... I guess we can go back to the main slate from yesterday and talk a little bit late swap here. So... First things first, so late swap works exactly the way building a regular build works. So what you're going to do is you're going to click the plus button here, plus icon, to go to the step two build build screen, and then you're going to toggle this on here, this late swap in the top right corner. If you're in the middle of a slate, this will be toggled on automatically, but since the slate's over, it's off. So... For the sake of example, we're going to toggle this on, and then you're going to see all the contests uh, come up here, and it'll show you your different contests if you have uh, different, if you have some cash, some GPP, etc. So you have a couple options. You can only swap lineups containing out players. If you toggle this on, it'll find the out players based on the afternoon game inactives for football, for instance. And then you would only late swap players in those lineups. So for this case, we have zero because the slate's over. But so then that's that's one option. Other option is late swapping your entire portfolio. And what that will do, so you know, going going back to your question, Saberson does not act like a traditional optimizer when late swapping. It's not late swapping to get you the highest projected point total and just jamming in projection wherever their salary left. So think about it as if let's say it's a uh, eight player lineup and four of them have locked already. So SaberSim will, you know, look at the remaining positions that haven't started the remaining salary and then build around that. We're still using the Sims and the sim outputs, uh, your settings are still the same. So whatever setting you can, if you built your settings here and let's say you're having a bad afternoon and you want to increase your sliders in, in an effort to get a little different from the field, then you can totally adjust these sliders and rebuild and we'll still follow the sliders as if you were building for the first time and just build around the available sp- slots left in your lineup so 
any more questions there, just let me know. But we're going to keep moving today. We have a lot of questions, and I just want to make sure that uh, we get to everything. So we will for sure. But the next question coming in from Fail Mary, and the question is, what would you suggest as a pre-build max exposure in NFL using 350-plus unique lineups? And in general, do you suggest ever-limiting exposure pre-build? So, Fail Mary, good question. Uh, what I will say is that, you know, I don't have like all uh, like a global exposure cap that that I can give you. I think it's a very much a risk tolerance based question. It's a personal question. Some people have higher risk and want to be more, have more exposure to the plays that they feel really strongly about. Some people want to get more diverse, uh, you know, for a, for a 350 lineup pool, you know, uh, I mean, I can tell you like what I personally think, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I, I'm somebody who builds my diversifiers in one build and my elevators in a different build. And when when thinking about it, I don't when I when I'm doing my elevators, I I'm building maybe 20 lineups total, and I have no problem being 100% exposed to somebody if they're just like a smash button play. But then you know, going over to my diversifier portfolio thinking about having a hundred percent exposure in 300 plus unique lineups is just something that I don't tolerate. I, I can't tolerate uh, personally from a risk tolerance perspective, you know, like uh, I, I always try and take into account the player's ownership for that. I'm that I'm talking about. So like, you know, if I have somebody who's going to be 50% owned, like do I mind 50% ownership? I mean, it's, it's matching the field. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a case by case basis. You know, if your gut's telling you like, man, this is really making me nervous. I would, I would dial it down a bit. That's kind of what step three is for is to just really do some risk management and come to a portfolio of lineups that you are okay with no matter what the outcome happens. And, you know, every week guys get hurt and, uh, sometimes like if somebody gets hurt and you know, you're really high, highly exposed to them and it just bugs you the rest of the day, you know, maybe you're playing like a little, you, maybe you had too much money invested in that play and, and you should, uh, dial it down. Uh, so that, those are my thoughts on the topic. Uh, maybe not the answer you're looking for, but I think that is, uh, the best answer I got to, to be quite honest. So moving on to the next question from Neil. And this question from Neil is talking about sliders and just building your uh, lineups in a together or separate, which I feel like we just talked about. So this kind of just flows right into it. So question says, slider setting question. I play some small, small field stuff, 204 defaults, and some large field, 150 max stuff, 448 default. Just wondering if you have an opinion on if it makes sense to run separate builds or to run all my builds in one lineup and run the sliders in the middle of the two defaults, for example. Uh, Neil, you know, I feel like I just gave my best answer to the question. You know, I, I'm i a person who follows the, pro the DFS profit plan 
that Saberson put out pretty much to a T. I like to split up my diversifiers and my elevators into two separate builds and just treat them a little differently. So to answer your question, you know, in your example, like your small field stuff is, is the elevators and your 150 max up stuff is the diversifiers. So I would definitely treat them differently. I feel like that's kind of in line with our research and the best portfolio of contests you can play. I think that is, you know, best practice. I think if you're crunched for time and it's getting close to lock, I think it's okay to build them all together. Or, you know, if you have time constraints and you can only really pay attention to one build, you know, I, I would definitely build them all together, but best practice is to set up, split up your diversifiers and your elevators into two contests, just because the recommended settings change so drastically. The, what it takes to win 150 max is a lot more points used on average than what it takes to win a single entry where people only have one bullet. So that's how I would uh, treat your portfolio. All right. Next question coming in from, I'm going to say, Tist the Beast in Discord asking about the profit plan and, you know, reading this question. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read it first and then I'll comment. Uh, profit plan question, since I had my first big step up in bankroll, would you recommend playing 60 lineups in the $1 minimax first or maxing out the $3.20 max? Thanks. So what I was going to say is that it sounds like you had a good win. So congratulations on the win. I don't know what it was, but it, you know, if you uh, were repping the Saberson logo, make sure to post it and send it in and we'll get you some gear. But uh, you know, going back to the question. Um, so we definitely recommend playing contests that you can max out first before playing contests where you're entering a limited number of lineups into so for your question here, what I would do would I would not play the mini max and I would instead play the $3.20 max just because you know that you have the max number of entries in that contest. Nobody has more entries than you do as like a single user. So maxing it out is definitely the route I would go. What I would also say, you know, there was a comment um, that I just wanted to touch on from Shady Advice in response to this question. And he said, if you're talking about NFL, I would wait until Sunday and enter the second or third version of the $3.20 max that will be below the threshold that Sharks can't play, probably before the large mini max. So just to elaborate on what Shady's talking about, so DraftKings has like a fair play initiative. I don't remember the exact uh, name of it. But basically, players with a million dollars or more, it's either in, I think it's entry fees. And entry fees cannot play contests below $3 threshold. If there are contests at the $3 threshold and a, the 3 to $5 threshold and the prize pool is above $25,000, then those players who were limited can can those players that how do I, how do I say it? Sorry guys. Uh, so the players with a million dollars or more in entry fees cannot play contests below $3 and they can't play contests that are $5 and under where the prize pool is less than 25,000. So 
you know, going back to Shady's response, the $3.20 max, the prize pool is like $1.5 million total. So those players can can play in those contests. So his recommendation is wait till that contest gets close to filling and then wait for DraftKings to open a smaller version of the $3.20 max that is below that prize pool threshold where those players will not have access to it. So, you know, the 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 concept really just goes back to contest selection and avoiding sharp players as much as you possibly can. So I think it's I think it's definitely a good option if you're, you know, lurking around in the lobby on a Sunday morning if you want to if you want to try that out. I think there's definitely merit to that approach and contest selection is the number one thing in DFS uh, that that uh, probably probably you know finding the right opponents to play against is like should be at the top of everybody's uh, contest selection like thoughts. So you go you you go to enter lineups and you should think you know who's in this contest, where can I get the most money down, where the giant squids of the world are not in in these lobbies. And so I, I like the response from Shady and I think that's how you should think about it, but. Either way, the $3.20 max is probably your best bet. So, all right. Moving on to Fail Mary has another question in the Discord. And, guys, we're starting to come up on the end of our Discord questions. We'll be moving over to YouTube chat. If there's anything that you guys want to ask before tonight or before the end of the show, get it in the chat down, and I'll make sure to get to it. So, question reads, I simply cannot wrap my head around one thing. Should I create a new build with my own tuned in exposures at the end, or does this affect the final purity of my Sims? So good question. Fail Mary. What I, you know, getting back to, uh, we made a small tweak as well. So, you know, getting back to our build review adjust, we're going to be changing that up a little bit to build review revise, just so you guys know. So I'm going to be using a little different jargon there. So build, review, revise, you know, getting back to that, we, we, that, that is still in place and we still think it's important to tell the builder what you want your lineups to look like. So, you know, still like do run a build, make your adjustments. If you're, um, with meeting, the adjustments and you have to send your exposures back to the home screen, that's still okay. And I think it's good for you to do. So if, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you know, you go into any build and you make adjustments to exposures, to stack types, to game stacks, to team stacks. And, you know, the builder tells you that, you know, we can no longer meet the exposures that you requested. You hit this arrow right here and then, you send the projection and exposure adjustments back to the home screen and then run a new build with those exposures in mind from the beginning. And that's still the right thing to do. That way your portfolio of lineups looks the way you want it to. I wouldn't worry about affecting the Sims at all. The Sims are great. The Sims are still going to be, you know, pure. You're not, you're not uh, affecting anything. All you're doing is just telling us up front, what you want and the Sims are going to run with those uh, requirements in mind. So that's how I would think about it. And uh, you know, not to, not to uh, brag or anything, but you know, I, I had a, I had a decent Sunday 
and I had a full faded the top three salaried quarterbacks just x them off and uh ended up working out pretty well for me so just something from uh my own Sunday I feel like a lot of people that built were with Saber Sim probably had a good day happy for everybody and want to want to keep that streak going there so all right moving over to YouTube chat guys and uh Let's see, feature request here from Chris. And Chris said, can we limit exposure to a player in relation to another player? Example, I want to play X percent of Darrell Henderson, but only want Cam Akers in a small percent of Hendo lineups. So Chris, good question. I'm assuming that you've played around with this and have realized there's not a perfect way to do it at the moment. So I can show you a workaround for the time being. So let's hover over to the showdown slate for tonight. I'm going to run a couple of lineups really quickly to get us going so we can demo this. But, you know, long story short, uh, this is something that we want to build into the app in the future. I think it's an awesome feature, especially for showdowns. And the way you have to do this now is through the filters. So let's say that, you know, I want to limit my um, flex positions. I don't want any flexes where any lineups with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson in the flex, as you so pointed out. So I'll filter for Cam Akers here. This little plus icon will show me all lineups with Cam Akers, which is going to be, I would, uh, I would also hover over to the pool. So if you look in lineups, you're going to only see the ones that are in your 150. So I have 27 lineups in my 150 that have Cam Akers in the flex, but I have 119 total that have Cam Akers out of my 500 that I built. So let's filter for Cam Akers. And let's also filter for Daryl Henderson. So right out of the gate, you know, it seems like Saber Sim understands the concept that you were talking about of not wanting too much of these guys together. So, you know, I only have one in my 150 and I only have 15 lineups total where they're together. So I believe we had 119 cam acres lineups. Well, you know, let's say approximately, you know, a little less than 10% of them are where cam makers and Daryl Henderson are used together. And you can also see like, how far down in your pool of lineups that you have to go to find them. So like one in your 150. Um, but anyways, getting back to what you're trying to do, you you filter for both of them together and then you can come in here and you can hit this little trash icon. And then this will discard the lineup into the trash. So it will not be in your pool of available lineups to be used. You could do this for as many lineups as you want. Um, you know, if you're only worried about them in the lineups that you're taking with you into your contests, then just look at the lineups. If you know that, you know, I don't want one of these sneaking in here, no matter what, you know, you could trash them from the pool. But as of right now, all these lineups are grayed out and they're not going to be used. So that's how you accomplish that. Uh, you know, we do want to build in some more tools to be able to manage it from like the exposures tab, but not too hard. Good workaround. I see the value. So, Hopefully that answers your question. And another question from Chris. Also, how do I access the Office Hours Discord channel? I joined the SaberSim Discord, but can't see that one. So Chris, uh, make sure you've gone through the verification 
steps in discords with like the with like the Saberson bot and it'll make sure that you know you have to be using the same email for discord as you use for your Saberson account and then the two should link up right away if if you don't see that what i would do is um i don't know if we have a channel i'm i'm going to have to check but uh you would go over to the like the information and the verification channel and then in the verification it'll take you through the steps so uh you know ben is the uh person on there who's like posted the verification link if you're having issues with it you could just uh message ben and, and he'll get you uh taken care of so hopefully you're not running into any issues there so all right Next question, everybody. Uh, this one is coming in from Dat Boy Steven24. And guys, I'm all this is the last question I have. You know, happy to talk about the showdown slate tonight, whatever you guys want to talk about. So get your questions in. But moving on to Dat Boy Steven. And his question is on showdown single game, should I sort lineups by saber score or projected score? So good question here. Uh, you know, we're still in our build from the showdown. So we're just going to use this one for now. And, you know, if you, if you don't know, Saber score, there we have a couple different sorting methods. We have Saber score, projected score. Uh, this is actual scores for after the game, ownership and salary. So Saber score is our attempt to quantify the upside of a, any given lineup. And, you know, SaberSim understands correlations. SaberSim understands ranges of outcomes, understands ownership. We weigh all of these these things together and apply a ranking to a lineup in in based on our own algorithm, basically. You can, you can sort by projected score. You can sort by ownership and salary as well. We always recommend that people use SaberScore. Um, it's our own sorting method that's normalized to 100 so your top lineup will always be 100 and then every lineup will be uh down from there will be a lower saber score lineup so i would always recommend using saber score that's what i use i don't really use projected score um so if you have any more questions there let me know all right next question from try hard sweat can you give an example of a good stacking rule for the showdown slate using the new rule settings? Uh, yep, I sure can. So let's go back to the home screen and let's talk about some rules. So, you know, the way I like to use the rules for showdown specifically is to try and make sure I'm not getting too chalky of lineups. So, you know, a question that I like, a, a rule that I like to use is that I'll, I'll come in here and I'll look at my captains and I'm typically looking for wide receiver captains or like pass catchers more often than not. So I'll start by my ownership. You know, I'll look like, okay, Cooper cup is projected to be 19% owned as a captain. That's, that's pretty high. That's almost one, five lineups. And if you're playing like the flagship Millie contest that has, you know, almost 200,000 entries, like that's, that's a lot of lineups. It's like 40,000, I think. <laughs> so what I'll, what I'll do is, you know, okay, who is Cooper cup most correlated with? And as most of you could guess, it's going to be Matt Stafford. 
So Matt Stafford has a huge correlation to Cooper Cup. So you you have to think that these two players in combination are going to be used a lot, like a lot. So what I like to do is, okay, Cooper Cup captain and Matt Stafford in the flex. I'm going to set a rule. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to add a new rule. I'm going to do a group rule. And then I'm going to do an if then. So, you know, if I'm using Cooper Cup captain and Matt Stafford in the flex, then, and then you have to put this to if at least two. So make sure this is if at least two here. That way it accounts for both of them. Then use at least one secondary player. And what I like to do is I'll come in here and I'll either look at sort by my projection or sort by my ownership. And I'll find like a threshold that I like where I'll say that, you know, you have to use one player that's that's essentially low owned or has a low projection and so less people are likely to roster that player in an attempt to make my lineups that are going to be the highest owned captain probably with his highest paired flex player more unique and i think that that's like a good way to use the rules for showdown slates um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build in a way where when I win, I get as much of first place equity as I can. So I try to build, you know, I'm not saying like, don't use these players together. Like I want to make that distinction. You know, that's why I do an if then I'm not, I'm, I don't come in here and say, you know, use no more than one of these two players because I don't want to limit the out the times where they're used together, but I just want to add a little something in there to try and make it more unique when this lineup combination comes together. So that's a rule that I like to use for showdown. Uh, I haven't really dove into the slow, the showdown slate yet. So I don't know where that uh, threshold lies for me yet. After the stream, I'll uh, probably start digging in and getting my lineups ready, but that's the way I like to think about it. I challenge you guys to, you know, try and think outside the box and, uh, you know, build build good lineups that have um, the ability to to take as much first place equity as possible. So, hope I answered your question there. Try hard, sweat. And uh, moving on to the next question from Dat Boy Steven again, and he said, "Do you set stacking rules for a single game?" So. No, I do not set stacking rules for a single game. Um, you know, one thing I, I think is worth noting is like if you come in to a build and I would always like check your stack types. Like don't forget about these tabs up here just because we're not on a main slate. Um, you know, like still see if the builder is leaning one direction or the other. Check. I mean, game stacks is like not important, but you know, I was like, okay, you know, we're leaning like a little bit toward the Rams. Like what's the, what's the Vegas line? What's the total? Who's the favorite? And come in here and check, check your stack types too. So, you know, what it's telling me is like, we're, we're pretty even with, with the pool as a whole. So these exposures here on the left are your exposures in your 150 lineups. And then these are your exposures in your entire set of 500. So the builder's like not really leaning too far away from the entire pool. It's a good reflection of it. 
sometimes you'll come in here and the builder will just like really, really not like these balanced stacks and you'll have like 20% of them. And that's just like more info for you to take into account. Or are you saying, you know, maybe I want to move closer toward the pool or maybe I'm okay moving away from these balanced builds and playing more five, one stacks, which is like more of the onslaught type of stacks. Um, so I think like, it's important to try and get all the information that the builder's telling you and before making any like final decisions. So, all right, uh, John, I'm going to get back to the discord. I will not finish the stream before hopping back and checking out any new questions that came in. So thank you for the heads up. But, um, so I will definitely get back to discord before the stream is over everybody. So, all right, John M another one, uh, Johnny Mo, I will jump back. So, so I'm going to hit this last question in YouTube chat from Dadboy Steven, and then I'm going to jump back over to Discord. Question says, do you set exposure for every player? So no, I definitely do not. You know, one way I like to think about these things is that Saber Sam is like a great builder. And, you know, I use the word builder instead of optimizer because it's not your traditional optimizer. It's a machine that understands correlation, ownership, dynamics, understands ranges of outcomes, and understands how to like kind of weigh all those things together to give you good lineups. So what what I like to think is like Saversim's a prob a lot smarter than me and can think of all of these things at once and make these decisions. I mean, like how long it takes it to to build 500 lineups. So it take me, you know, hours to build 500 lineups by hand and, and a lot of them will probably be uh, net minus EV. But, um, you know, I really like to like focus on, I'd say, you know, one to five points or players or combinations that, that I want to add value on. So, you know, if I just like, maybe I read like a coach's quote or saw some things on like, um, outside re doing outside research, heard something on like a different podcast and, you know, I've just determined that, you know, Cooper Cup is like not the best play at captain tonight. So then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take like a stand on Cooper Cup there. I'm going to take a stand on George Kittle for whatever reason here. And, and I'm going to make like three to five adjustments. And those are like be me putting my own uh, perspective or my own touch on my lineups, but I don't really want to get in here and start changing everything because Saber Sim is giving you these exposures saying that th these are the highest expected value lineups you can play. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, if, if you, if you disagree with that strongly, I think it's okay to come in here, make some adjustments, send those back to the home screen and, and rebuild. But I wouldn't sit here and make adjustments for every single player. I would really try and, pick and choose your spots where you feel like you can add value because, you know, Saber, Saber Sim is smart, but you know, it's, it's, it's a computer. It's, it's not human. Um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna miss things. And I think that, you know, thinking about like man plus machine, as opposed to like man versus machine is a, is a much better way. So it's, it's, a uh, that, that combination factor working with the tool and uh, will will help you to have better lineups. So try and pick some spots. 
I, I would highly suggest not changing exposure for every single player. So, um, one more question. Would you just set MVP exposure on FanDuel? Uh, no, no. I think it's totally okay to adjust MVP and flex, captain and flex. You know, I don't think that you have to just focus on one or the other. So, definitely okay to make adjustments in uh, both slots. I would just be be wary of making too many total. So that's where that's where I fall on the issue. Uh, moving back over to Discord, looks like we got some more questions in. Awesome, happy to talk about them. So question here from Fisty, and the question is: Saberson won't override your adjustments. So in that situation, you would need you would be neutral. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I missed the I missed the original question. This is a response. So the original question came in from Talini711. And Talini said, to follow up on the sim projection question, let's say later the team adjusts Jonathan Taylor's projection by three. Also, do you add three from my adjustment to the new projection? So the answer to that is no. So if you come in to the home screen for any slate for any game and you adjust the exposures of a player, we will never override your custom projection. The only time we ever do that is when a player is marked out. And if they're marked out, they will get unchecked from the pool. That's just because, you know, we don't want you to end up with out players in your lineup ever. So we'll, we'll override a custom projection only if a player is out. But if you come in here and increase Cooper Cup's projection to 37, we will not adjust it regardless of how the Saber Sim projection uh, projection gets updated. So that's why, like, there's two columns. You can kind of see how they ebb and flow, especially, like, in weekly sports, like, throughout the week and, and things like that. So just a note there, no, we will never make that adjustment because we don't want to override any work that you've done to the to the projections up to that point. Next question from John, and this is the question that John was calling out in the YouTube chat. So question is, on a typical Sunday slate, I have been doing different builds for all my contest types. So like one for the 150 max, one for my 20 max, one for single entry, etc. As long as I have enough time, this seems to be working fine for now. However, one of the biggest issues I'm running into is being able to quickly change the settings to how I want them. Basically, I wish I could save global settings for different builds. Is there a good way to do this currently? For instance, in my diversifiers, I use a lower exposure than I would for my elevators, but I'm not sure of the best way to save time when going to build, going to different build types and changing settings. So, John, good question here. Happy to touch on it. So, you know, I think that, if you want to build all of your contests separately, like, and you had the time for it, that's totally okay. So if, if you want to have, you know, four different builds, one for 150s, one for 20 maxes, one for three maxes, and one for single entries, and, and your, your process allows you to do that, that's totally okay. I think it's okay as well to combine your 20 maxes and 150 maxes, as well as your single entries and three maxes into like a diversifier build and an elevator build as well. 
and some people even like to you know build it all together so there's no right way a lot of different ways to do it i would say getting back to your question about you know saving exposures or or um making these like global changes what what i would do in your case since you're building them all differently so like no there's no way to say you know in in my 150 matches i only want 50 percent of cooper cup and then kind of save that exposure setting and then say you know in my 20 matches i'm i'm okay with 75 percent cooper cup and then save that i i would just go about the the sequencing of your um builds a little differently so what what i would do is start with like your 150 max where you probably uh get like a little more diverse with your exposures and a little more spread out which i'm making an assumption just based on something that that i think is is like the right thing to do is when you have more entries to spread out a little more and then um you know so like run your 150 max fill your contests that um with the with the lineups that you're comfortable with and then go into your exposures and or stack types whatever you're changing i don't know exactly what you're changing and then you know either like loosen the restrictions i imagine is what you're doing or tighten them and uh you know make that adjustment run your 20 so you know and then you know in your three maxes loosen more and then in your single entries you know loosen uh your your restrictions all the way or whatever you whatever you want to do but um you know, I think it's more just like finding the right sequence for building your builds that just kind of makes it like flow a little better. I don't think that, um, you know, you're like going to be able to like save, you know, okay, like all include like all these stack types for like this build and then like save that as like a rule. Like you're, you're not really going to be able to do that. So you're just going to have to kind of keep detailed notes on the side and just say, and just come in here and just say like, okay, you know, for my, for my single entries, I only want four twos and three threes, but then for my 150 maxes, I want to allow all of them. And, you know, this would be like the equivalent, like if we were to go to the main slate, um, you know, that was just like a bad example with showdown, but you know, this is something I do. It's like in my, I think my elevators were the last build I did. So I, I try and limit some of these like really correlated stacks like the qb plus fours qb plus fours with a run back and try and just not play those in my elevators but i'm i will check these in for my diversifier so like i'll run my diversifier first leave whatever i want and then kind of come in here uncheck them and run it run it again and so that's something i like to do i know when max was on here two weeks ago he talked about like he runs his large field build and then he'll come in and run his like high stakes build and kind of make some adjustments, X some guys out. I think it's totally okay to do different things for different types of contests. So I hope that helps you out a little bit. Let me know if you have any follow-up. All right. Um, next, follow-up from Talini based on John's question. And I just want to read this out loud and, and kind of keep going on it. So I echo what Jay Stinger 95 just said, I do the exact same process. I use the same three builds and his suggestion would be very helpful. I generally do the single entry slash three max, then the 20 and finally the 150. So I'm always happy to take feature requests back to the team. 
I'm going to take the one that Chris sent in earlier in the um, YouTube chat. Feature request YouTube. Just making a quick note here. And, um, you know, John, I'll, I'll reread your question after the stream's over and just see if I can um, take anything from that. If you could give me, like, a little more um, context of, like, what exactly you're looking for. The only global, you know, exposure that you can do is, is here in um, the step two build screen where you could just do like max exposure. And like, if you know, you don't want any more than like 50% of any one player and like your 150 max, you could throw that in here and this will be honored. And then, you know, you come back and you do like your other builds and you do a hundred. So this is like a global exposure cap. It's the only thing close to what you're asking for. Um, if there's anything else that you want to see, just let me know in the office hours channel and I can put it in as a feature request. Okay, so next question from Fail Mary. And the question is, let's scroll down here. Just got here. Uh, what percent of pool exposure typically determines if a player is too risky? 10%, 5%, 1%. Fail Mary, I, I like where your head's at. I personally, I don't think uh, any player is like, I, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't go about thinking it about it that way. I think that you know if the player is showing up in your lineups, like in your number of lineups from the pool, I think there's a reason for that. I think Saber Sam is trying to tell you that you know in this instance, in in this uh, bucket of Sims with these salary uh, with these other players in combination with this one player that's not used that often, that they're a good play. I don't think that you should like live and die by pool exposure. Like, oh, the guy's only, you know, 1% owned. Like, I, I shouldn't play him. Like, like right here, like Justin Herbert is in 6.6% .6 of lineups in my pool. But uh, I I um, I have 20% of him for three lineups out of 15. And like, yeah, is that kind of low pool exposure? No. But, you know, in these lineups, he just fits really well. And he's a good play. So, I, I wouldn't read too into too much the pool exposure and would just kind of, um, you know, like you can, you can look at it and you can acknowledge it, but you know, I mean, maybe if I had like 1% of Justin Herbert and then I had like 15 out of 15, I'd, I'd be a little concerned there and maybe I would dial that back. I'd say you can always compare to the other players, like what their pool exposures are. So you know, like we were just talking about 6% Justin Herbert, but, you know, nobody's owned more than 14% in this build. So is that like really a, a bad thing to have 3% of him? So I'd say if there's like a situation where you where you see that and, and it like bothers you, I think it's like totally okay to dial that back. You know, inversely, you know, Marcus Mariota is my highest pool quarterback, but, you know, I'm not forcing any exposure to him it's saying your your top positive EV builds only has Justin uh, only has Marcus Mariota in in one of them, and you know Geno Smith had a great day, and you know you can see like at the top of this poll, like I I was getting Geno Smith, Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, like like Derek Carr, but like my my highest uh, EV lineups both had Geno Smith of them, and you know I only had him in two lineups out of 15 for 9%. So I wouldn't read too far into the pool exposure there. So just a, um, 
just a note there. Happy to talk about it more if you got any uh, follow-up there. So, All right, next question coming in from Trouble5. And Trouble said, Andrew, thanks for the office hours answers. Love listening along. What's your final score call for tonight? <laughs> Trouble, I think you tried and uh, buttered me up there with a with a compliment before trying to get me to give a take, which you know I don't like to do. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hover over to the uh, showdown for today, and I'm gonna keep it close to uh, what Saber Sim is calling. So I'm gonna call it a. Uh, 20 to 23 game and uh we'll keep it we'll keep it nice and close to the mean projection there so all right let's see um okay fail mary had a little follow-up to the um pool exposure comment and he said this was the one from trouble and then this one says I mean, more at the bottom. Should I just trim 1% pull players as a way to get less risky? Okay, so this is more of a player pool curation question, not really the way I was thinking about it. Um, I would say that, you know, if we're – let's go back to the main slate. And let me pull up a build that's like more diversifier. So this was 150 max. Keep editing. So I'm going to pull up 150 max build that I did from um, Sunday. And I don't know why it's empty. Weird. Okay. Uh, not sure what's going on here, but that's totally fine. So we're going to go back to the showdown tonight and look at this. So, you know, could you trim players that are only showing up in 1%, like, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I would suggest that, you know, if, if you have an idea, uh, you, you try it out. I mean, the, the truth is, you know, I'm not going to have all the answers or, or all the right answers. Sometimes I might have wrong answers. So, you know, I, I, I challenge everybody on the stream, like, if you have an idea, put it into practice. And you can even put it into practice for, like, a subset of your contest portfolio. Maybe you're playing, like, 200 unique entries and you have an idea like like this idea that fell mary is suggesting like build 20 lineups for like one of your 20 maxes and say like okay you know i'm gonna do something a little different in like my my dime time 20 max the the 10 cent 20 max and just kind of see how this works like take your take your lowest uh entry fee investment contest and and do some trial and error and try some things you know you might have some great ideas and just like have them put them into practice so give it a shot i'm always happy to give you guys my opinion but you know my opinion is not always the right opinion and i think that there's a lot of different ways to uh win i'm sure like there's tons of dfs players that do things i never even thought of so i think it's like totally okay to try trimming them down i don't think it's necessary i think um you know any player pool curation that you do should probably be in step one. But if you're in step three and you're like not seeing, you're seeing some things that you don't like, then I think it's totally okay to, to try something else and, and give it, give that a shot. So, all right. So moving on to the next question. And I see a comment here from AK knowledge. The question is Rashid white is a good example of trusting the Sims. He was low owned, but coaches talked about, getting him more involved and he earned his price. So AK, I didn't even see the 
part about the coaches, you know, talking about uh, White getting in the game more. Like, that's a perfect example of, like, Saber Sim is not going to see that. And, like, how do you even quantify that is, like, the better question. Because, uh, like, how, how, would, how would we put that into the Sims? I, I don't know how. But that's, like, an awesome example of you adding value through outside sources, through keeping your ear to the ground, and, you know, if you wanted to come in here and, like, you heard something similar about, like, Kendall Blanton's going to get extra run at tight end today because Tyler Higby's nursing an injury. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe they said that. Like, coming in here and, like, bumping his projection to a projection that you intuitively feel is, like, feasible for Kendall Blanton given those conditions. So, I think, like, that's always important. And so, it's a huge value add. I think we saw something like that last year where Robert Woods wasn't getting a lot of catches and Sean McVay said, you know, we're going to get Robert Woods involved. And he had like 12 catches for like 150 yards or something crazy like that. So I think that's like definitely a, a good thing to do. So little, little follow up here from AK white showed up in my Sims. That's why I looked more into him is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that, um, you know, like Leonard Fournette always dominating the backfield touches. And then, you know, they start to get blown out. So they bring in white and he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield, you know, Saber Sam like has a range of totals uh, for every single game, for every Sim, like some high, higher scoring, some lower scoring. And it seemed like, you know, the, the builder was on uh, Rashid white and I'm happy that he got into the year lineups as well. So anyways, guys, um, I am looking for just follow up from Hail Mary. I really like your answer. Sorry for the back and forth in office chat. Uh, no worries. It just makes it a little harder to find the questions to answer on stream. So uh, that's why I can be a little quiet while I just kind of scroll through this and uh, try and find it. But happy to answer your question. You know, um, I'm always going to answer your guys' question the, the best and uh, way I can, the most truthful and um, honest. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. You know, I'm not the best DFS player in the world, and I do not have all the answers. So, uh, all right, guys, looking through here, I do not see any more questions. If I missed one, please call it out, and you've been waiting. So I really don't want to miss anybody. Okay, Johnny Mo, Yeah, Johnny Mo. I know you've been waiting for sure. And uh, I have one other one here from Sammy. So, Sammy, let's answer this one. This one's a quick one. What is the difference between at least versus no more than with any rules, especially under stacks? Thanks. So, Sammy, this is a quick one. So, if you come into the lineup rules and you go to add a new rule, so there's at least. So, at least is like, if I say at least one, so for showdown, there's six players in your lineup. So, I could have, you know, at least, um, if I want to say like, San Francisco only. So you have to have at least one player from the opposing team. So if I say at least one on San Francisco, that means I can get a range from anywhere from one San Francisco player to five San Francisco players. But if I use no more than, if I say like no more than, will you say like, we'll say like no more than three. So then I'll only get one to three San Francisco players. But if I already use at least three, then that means like I get three or more. So it'd be three to five in that case. So Hopefully that clarifies your question. If you have any follow-up, just let me know. And then, um, Sammy, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you told me you had a question, and then I said, okay, I'll get to it. And then I, 
I, I still went on to miss it, but I see it now. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Johnny Mo. So I, I, I see Johnny Mo's question now. So I'm going to put this in the chat and we'll get to it. Question reads, I understand in the contest selection video, it was said the best strategy involved entering low entry GPPs only and to max out on lineups. The main reason for that, for this was that Wales couldn't answer contests below $3 and also below $5 with a small enough prize pool. My question is, do you think being a strictly cash game player is a viable way to beat NBA DFS? If I were to only enter the low stakes cash games to avoid the sharps and concentrate on the NBA late swap edge, would that be enough to warrant cash game entries? Or do you think cash games are completely obsolete at this point in DFS? And that GBP entries are by far the best way to go. Not sure if the sport matters, but I'd be specifically looking at NBA. Thanks. So Johnny Mo, good question. You know, a lot of people uh, ask this question time to time, and it's a it's a it's a hard one to answer. And I'd say that um, you know, there are still people making money playing cash, but those people are, as you say, like some of the sharpest people in the industry. And so, you know, the way I like to think about it is like, how much bankroll do I have to play on a single slate? And if I had like an infinite amount of bankroll, then I would play my GPPs and I might play cash. But unfortunately, like that's not the position, you know, most of us are in. So we kind of have to decide how we want to divvy that up. And then I just think about the edge I have in the contest that I want to choose. So like the way I think about it is, you know, okay, I have this much bankroll to allocate. Is this better off? Is my is my chances of of uh, returning a positive investment higher in cash or higher in GPPs over time? And though the through like the research that we've done in SaberSim, we've just determined that GPPs are a better investment in time and money, and you're more likely to have better results in GPPs because that's just where like a lot of the fishier players are playing. They want the uh, big, big payouts and uh, they want to put, you know, 20 bucks in and win a million. They don't want to, you know, put 20 bucks in and, and double their money. It's, it's a much more of a grinders game. Cash games are. So I think like your bankroll investment is much better served in GPPs. So that's how I would think about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open to having my mind changed and uh, any any other opinions. So that's like, I know your question was like basketball specific. I think that um, I kind of I kind of look at all sports for like cash kind of the same. So I would uh, avoid the cash and try and play as many GPPs until you're uh, until you run out of GPPs to play. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> so, all right. Hopping back. Over to YouTube chat, just taking one more sweep, guys. I don't see anything here, and I've already swept the Discord, so I hope I got to everybody's questions. If I didn't, I apologize. I'll be right back here tomorrow, and um, till then, good luck in your contest tonight, and I will see you guys. So, bye.